Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey friends, welcome to the broadcast. We're friends down in the Hudson Valley, in, uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, in Flagstaff, Arizona. Those of you listening here in Toronto, from Thunder Bay on down to the Carolinas, Maine to Minnesota, online, around the world at richardserrett.com. Welcome, welcome. You know, I was um, online earlier today and I saw this fascinating story. I posted up to the website, uh, richardserrett.com. Scientists, they're saying, are discovering a way to make time pass faster uh, or slower, if you prefer. And these findings could help explain why time flies, right, when, when we're having fun. A new understanding of how the brain processes time could only uh, could one day allow scientists to tweak an individual's sense of timing. New research suggests timekeeping in the brain is decentralized, with different neural circuits having their own timing mechanisms for specific activities. Not only does it raise the possibility of artificially manipulating time perceptions, let me repeat that, it raises the possibility of artificially manipulating time perceptions. But the finding could also explain why our sense of time changes in different conditions, such as when we're having fun or are under stress, right? Time flies when you're having fun. Or if you're on a strict diet, what's that old saying? If you eat right and you get rid of, you know, if you don't drink and you don't smoke and you eat vegetables, you won't live any longer. It'll just seem that way. <laughs> All right. Listen, we uh, have a fascinating show for you tonight. A little bit later, I'm going to welcome uh, Stephen Kelly. Stephen Kelly is a um, a former engineer uh, involved in the production of Black Ops Advanced Massive Optics Weaponry, and we'll find out what that all means. Uh, but the big bombshell here he's going to lay on is he's going to tell us how he was essentially... Um, oppressed into service to develop a weapon to fight aliens. To fight aliens, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll uh, welcome Stephen Kelly here in just a moment. But first, it is the second Sunday of the month, uh, which means we welcome in our paranormal researcher to discuss her latest investigation, which takes us tonight to southwestern Pennsylvania, where a woman apparently has encountered shadow people and an attempted abduction by a creature with lobster-like claws. Here to tell us more is one of the leading experts in the paranormal with more than 50 books published by major houses on a wide range of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. How are you? Welcome. Hi, Richard. Well, I'm on the trail again. Southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, this is a, an isolated sort of rural area. And tell me about this farm that you visited on a number of occasions. Yes, this is in a part of the state that I have spent years in, off and on, documenting phenomena. It's kind of a hotbed of paranormal activity. Uh, it's in the area where the Allegheny Mountains join up with the app, uh, start to you know, blend into the Appalachians. And there are lots of farms dotted around the countryside in hollows. They call them haulers. And uh, typically you, you get um, runs in these haulers that you have uh, hills on either side and widely spaced out farms. Um, people can uh, live there for generations. And um, a lot of really strange things goes on. Well, I've uh, documented a lot of 
UFO activity, Bigfoot, mysterious creatures, shadow people, hauntings that uh, seem to be caused by the jinn. And I have an, a new case now involving um, a farmhouse that, according to the residents, and the wife grew up in the farmhouse uh, for decades, uh, has been haunted by shadow people on the property. They get uh, weird screams at night, which are associated with Bigfoot. Uh, there's possibly multiple manifestations of paranormal activity. This is an area where uh, people have described UFO activity in the skies, including during the day, not just seeing lights, but seeing actual craft. And the hillside near the farm uh, has been haunted by shadow figures, mysterious lights. I've seen the lights. That's an awful lot for one family to endure, uh, and this has been going on for generations on this farm. Why Why do they stick it out? Well, uh, one thing I found in these rural areas is that uh, it gets to be part of the backdrop. You know, it's just the way things are. and The new um, normal. <laughs> sorry? The new normal, I guess. <laughs> the new normal. Well, one of the things that uh, is very peculiar about this case is when she was a teenager, uh, the wife had visitations, and one night an attempted abduction by a creature who appeared in the window and reached in with huge claws that she said looked like lobster claws and uh, attempted to extract her from her bed and pull her out through the window. And she wrestled with this thing and fought it off, and it withdrew through the window. Well, in the morning... Uh, she thought, oh, well, she must have had a horrible nightmare. But the arm that this creature had grabbed was black and blue and bruised and very sore. Uh, I have documented similar things with shadow people. They don't have lobster claws, but when they do attack people in their bed, sometimes people say that they, they have a black and, and blue bruises the next day from them. Uh, So it's part of a syndrome of phenomena that I've documented elsewhere in the area, quite a a large area. So I'm going back again um, in, actually tomorrow, I will be there tomorrow and tomorrow night for a nighttime surveillance. I'm setting up some cameras and uh, hoping to catch some of these shadow people in action the, um, have you seen anything in your previous trips out to this farm? I have seen the I have seen the mysterious lights in the forest. I haven't seen the shadow people yet, but I have seen the these yellow lights moving around in the trees on the hillside. And how about the Bigfoot and, screams? Uh, they are in the vicinity of the ruins of some very small stone chambers that nobody knows who built them and what for. Uh, we have haunted stone chambers in, in New York State. I don't know if there's a relationship between the two, because these are much smaller, but um, that's a, a peculiarity. And other um, people on my investigation team have also seen the yellow lights. So um, there will be several of us tomorrow night doing the surveillance to see if we can capture some, some shadow people on video 
or digital footage. Uh, and what about these Bigfoot screams in the vicinity? Have you heard any of those? I haven't yet because um, uh, they typically come in the middle of the night. And so this will be the first time that I'm doing an all-nighter. I've been there during the day and during the early evening. Um, the, the screams uh, from the description sound to me like those associated with Bigfoot. Now, the, the family there uh, associates them with the shadow people because the shadow people show up at the same time that the screaming is going on. So um, uh, I don't know, you know, who's responsible yet for the screams. You've uh, met this woman, obviously. They're not animal screams. They're not. Okay. Now, you've met this woman, and she seems, uh, you know, credible and, and believable, uh, this, this uh, woman that lives on the farm? Very. Uh, she's in her middle 40s. Uh, she's a professional, uh, very well grounded. Um, I've met her husband. They have a teenage daughter. Now, the shadow people have not come in the house. They've only been outside on the property. And uh, I found a fair number of shadow people cases that are related to strictly the outside areas. I think that some of them have certain tracks that they travel or certain pieces of land where they get their energy from, and uh, that's what they stick to. And the ones here in this area seem to follow certain tracks along the hauler uh, and also the hillside. Aside from that one uh, attempted abduction and attack by, uh, a, let's call him Lobster Boy, uh, has this family <laughs> has this family um, suffered any other sort of uh, a- attacks from the shadow people or um, any other apparitions? They have not come inside the house. The shadow people have not come inside the house. And uh, the, the wife, is, who is the principal experiencer, has uh, not uh, had other episodes where she felt she's had ET-like abductions. Uh, however, she has not tried any sort of um, hypnosis um, regression or anything like that, which is often how abductees recover their their memories of abductions. So um, she feels that because she was able to re- repel this thing on this one episode, that it, it decided not to try again. What are they hoping that um, you can do for them, Rosemary? Why did they reach out to you? Do they Are they hoping that you can, um, uh, I guess, prove that they're not crazy, that, that, that something's going on? Do they expect you to cleanse their property? What do they want from you? Uh, they're not looking for a cleansing because they, like my, like myself, I think that you're not going to get rid of these things. And I met them through a mutual acquaintance in the community, and uh, they heard that I was doing some research and uh, offered to share their experiences with me. They they have a very realistic outlook on these things, which I also find in a lot of these remote areas where people encounter these phenomena, sometimes they grow up with them, and it's just part of the backdrop of living. They don't expect it to go away. Sometimes they're looking for explanations. Uh, and some validation that they're not the only ones out there having these experiences. So if you are able to capture one of these shadow people on film, I mean that would or video, I mean that would be a first, right? We there is no sort of credible photographic or videotape evidence of these creatures, I'm guessing. I've never seen any what I would call credible video footage of shadow people. There have been uh, things shown on reality TV in the past, but 
uh, it looks fabricated to me. All right, well, I listen. I've seen digital photographs that can't be explained. Well, good luck uh, tomorrow night. Most people are eyewitness things. Well, good luck tomorrow night and uh, with your uh, stakeout. Uh, stay warm, stay safe, and uh, look forward to an update on this story. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, VisionaryLiving.com, the website. Good night, Rosemary. Good night. Lasers, cavers, and magic. A former black ops engineer talks about developing a weapon designed to fight aliens. When the Conspiracy Show continues, back with more in a moment. Stay with us. everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back, friends. Good to have you aboard. All right. We now uh, delve into the strange life, the strange case of Stephen D. Kelly, an engineer involved in the production of Black Ops Advanced Massive Optics Weaponry. He's here to tell us about his journey from guns and lasers to metaphysics and spirituality Stephen Kelly, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hey, Richard. How are you? Glad to be here. Glad to have you aboard. Now, time is tight, um, and uh, I, I was so sort of struck by the content of your email and the life that you've had that I wanted to get you on, uh, and uh, with a promise that we'll bring you back on when we have more time. But we've got about 40 minutes, so let's work as, as much information as we can into this discussion first Sounds good. let's tell what what was your career in the world of i guess black ops if i can call it that hmm well let's see here uh okay first experience with the cia guys was uh helping saddam hussein that was uh that was a real baby steps type of thing that was really deep deep stuff but at the time we had we really had no idea helping him how in his war against iran or uh, yeah, he wanted, uh, we were, one of the things that we were working on trying to get him was Motorola radios. He wanted Motorola radios. And it was, everything was 100% markup, so it was a big deal. And they had a big shopping list. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, CIA guys that were all behind this thing and all sorts of, uh, you know, other characters. But, uh, it started getting hairy when they decided they wanted phased array radar systems because we knew this guy that worked at Hughes. And the FBI got involved, and uh, the CIA backed out, and, you know, that's, that was the end of that. But then it went on to, uh, uh, it was actually an NSA gig, which we thought was CIA. I, I took it, and it was for building a whole bunch of lasers. And they were putting these lasers on uh, uh, weapons, you know, you know guns, uh, rocket launchers. Uh, and that's your background, guns. right? That's your background. That's what we call massive optics. That has well, to do no, with lasers? Well, no, working before. That. Ah. Before that, I was working in the electro-optics industry during the you know Reagan years, defense buildup, and made every uh, worked on little pieces of glass that went in just about everything you can imagine. Uh, M1 tanks, uh, you know, gosh, even as 
stuff for the Israelis, you name it, um, the rockets, uh, uh, ships, the, the missiles, uh, the helicopters, the jets, all of them, you know, they all have optics in them for everything, all the missiles, everything. And, uh, you know, that's what made uh, Desert Storm, Desert Storm, was all the optical systems and the lasers. And that's what I did, basically. You know, spy satellites, uh, Lawrence Livermore Labs, big giant stuff, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, so your, your background is, a, is an engineer? Uh, well, yeah, and, and manufacturing, you know, right. also. So how does, how does someone go from, you know, being an engineer in manufacturing, um, working with optics, uh, to becoming tangled up with, you know, Ollie North and these alphabet intelligence operations? Well, um, back in those days, lasers were kind of a new thing, I think. And uh, so right away, anybody that does anything with big lasers or, you know, looks like they're going to do something with lasers, uh, they want to keep an eye on them. And those, those were days we were really young, and we were, we were pioneers. You know, and I was a pioneer for many years. And, uh, you know, I continued to be a pioneer. And, uh, you know, and they, they watch over that stuff. And then, you know, that's what I first, that was my first inclination. When they first came into the world, I thought that's what that was all about. Uh, was, uh, you know, when you, we, uh, what really caught their eye was uh, we were talking about having a, 300 watt uh, continuous beam argon laser and shining it up on the moon and drawing Budweiser or something and getting Budweiser to pay for it. They and they they've kind of freaked out when we said that. So you that, can do I that. You can do that. It, yeah. That's that's within your capability. Well, nowadays it doesn't seem like that much, uh, really. But uh, oh, I think it does. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, back then it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, now we you know we we hear so much about uh, places like uh, Area 51. Did you have did you have any connection with with Area 51? <laughs> uh, well, at least a couple of times they tried to get me out there. Uh, one time specifically, uh, and uh, it was because of uh, some theories that I had developed about making um, you know beam ships and uh, the construction. And they had basically, they monitor everything. They had been monitoring me, apparently. And I, you know, silly me, I started talking to one of my people about uh, some of my theories about building beam ships. Next thing you know, I got these uh, uh, spooks, so to speak, trying to, trying to convince me that I need to go off to Area 51. So that was, that was an incident, definitely. They, they, they started offering you a lot of money. And what have you. And, uh, but I had six kids, you know, family. I wasn't going to go anywhere. So, you know, that didn't work out. Well, tell us a little bit about these, uh, these beam ships. What, what, what were they? What did they look like? How did you see them being used? Well, I didn't see the beam ships being used. My theories were basically how they were being constructed, the materials that were being used, and, uh, you know, some of the propulsion theories and stuff like that. Well, what's that? the principle behind a beam ship? Uh, what does that mean, a beam ship? Well, you know, like it was the, Typical little flying saucer, you might say, you know, Billy Meyer photo. Right, right. Yeah, okay. One of these things, they typically are silver. And so the key word here is silver. They were made out of silver primarily and uh, with little little pieces of, uh, uh, you know, materials that would uh, act like semiconductors or whatever to uh, do whatever they wanted to do. But the thing about the silver is that it could be assembled in a very, very uh, minute fashion. Uh, microscopically, so to speak, um, beyond what we can do with computer chips, they could assemble an entire uh, structure uh, with all the sorts of uh, uh, capacity that we can only dream of. 
and you know propulsion capability and in, in, uh, uh, extreme redundancy, so to speak. Well, what what was the propulsion system? What were you tapping into? Is anti gravitic? Is a zero point? What was it? Oh well, okay. Like I like I said, the there is there's multiple multiple ways to do it, but basically there is a, uh, a magnetic field that allows it to float and move around and do that. But it also has a uh, an ion drive system, which is essentially a big giant laser. I think the whole ship is essentially a laser. They also have uh, other types of reactors. It may be like a fusion reactor that has that generates another type of propulsion. So it has uh, many ways of getting up to light speed, so to speak. Light speed. You could ach- this could achieve light speed. Well, yeah, they get up to light speed and then they uh, convert their energy into uh, or their matter into energy for a split second, a nanosecond, or whatever, and then they can essentially reappear in another place, another time, whatever, and then they have to slow down from light speed. Is this theoretical or is this is this practical? Uh, well, this is what the uh, Palladians claim they can do, and uh, uh, we get into yeah. I don't want, I don't want to jump too far ahead. We will we'll talk about the Palladians, but right right back here on Earth right now though. When when you're when you're well, most most uh, species uh, take a long time to ma- to uh, be able to do that, right. and I can't say that Earth humans have been able to master that particular technology. I can only vouch for the. Uh, other entities that are using these uh, beam ships to do that. But when you, when the idea came to you, beam ships here on Earth. Okay, but where did you get the idea? Although there are ships that are being constructed, but they're like, uh, if you can imagine, uh, sheet metal versus a semiconductor. It's a big difference. Right. We have primitive. Uh, but but where did you get the idea? Uh, uh, well, my first exposure to the uh, concept of the silver was from the Billy Meyer people, my exposure to the Billy Meyer people. Okay. The material that they had had all sorts of uh, microscopic details that, to me, I felt were uh, were what I would call uh, like kind of like a fiber optic, like a light pipe. It's like a hollow fiber optic. It's kind of like a capillary uh, tube that uh, channels light. And even from a standpoint of a uh, X-ray, or a microwave, you could consider it a uh, channel for those too. And then they also have with this suspended all these ingredients, these little trace amounts of goodies that uh, were inside the silver. And you can imagine that these things were probably very much like a semiconductor okay. uh, device, or you know. We should we should uh, mention uh, you mentioned Billy Meyer. We should explain who he was. This is a, a, a gentleman who lives in Switzerland, quite elderly now, and he claims to be a UFO contactee. And he's produced, or he is, he has. I guess published thousands of some pretty remarkable UFO photographs. Some, of course, believe they're hoaxes, and others say they're the real deal. Why don't we then take a moment, uh, Stephen, and, and explain how you became involved with Billy Meyer and his people? When I had my falling out with the NSA people, I uh, went to hooked up with this guy that uh, worked for a company that made body armor. And while I was checking out the body armor and the factory and what have you, he started showing me Billy Meyer pictures and all the UFOs and all that. And uh, this began my indoctrination into that whole group. And it turned out this guy was working uh, in a security capacity for for uh, Britain Lee Elders, uh, Wendell Stevens, and uh, uh, the Welsh, the other guy. And, uh, Explain who those people are, because people won't know. Well, these were people, essentially Americans, uh, who went to Switzerland to hook up with this Billy Meyer guy. Okay. 
and assist him with all of the information and what have you that he received and basically uh, help him to disseminate this information. And what was your first uh, your first reaction when you were being approached by this guy and showing these photographs and so forth? I mean, were you a believer, a skeptic? Well, uh, I had never been exposed to any of this UFO stuff before, and I wasn't really interested per se. But I was really struck by how how real and lifelike these pictures were. And I looked at them, and I couldn't help but think that, wow, these things look really good. You know, uh, I'm wondering. So, so yeah. And then they started dumping information on me, basically, because, you know, I was informed that, yeah, yeah, we're working with this guy. You know, he's in Switzerland. This is so-and-so. This is so-and-so. And they started sending me all their videotapes and everything and getting me indoctrinated into the whole thing. And uh, I, I started to accept the Palladian thing a little bit, uh, but uh, the um, the rep when they started talking about reptiles, the reptilians, and, and these are various kind of, species of uh, or not species, civilized alien civilizations, the Palladians, the aliens, the more creepy aliens. Right. Then, then, then that was a little harder to digest, and I had to kind of file that away until many later years, to where I kind of revisited that that whole subject. But. Uh, but yeah, so it was a lot of information. But the main thing for me was the silver because, uh, uh, well, first of all, my association with these people, they, they were interested in me, you know, it was just by chance per se. They, they knew, the guy that was doing the armor knew the, the people that I was just dealing with, the CIA people, which I thought were CIA, it was actually NSA. But he was selling them Kevlar, and they were using this Kevlar for uh, stealth boats and stealth this or that. They were building, building stuff. And what did they anyway, want from you? Uh, what did they want from you, Stephen? <laughs> well, they wanted uh, they wanted me to give them technical advice on uh, everything that, that they were dealing with, and uh, give them a little bit of insight from a from a technical perspective, uh, you know, scientific perspective. Whatever. In other words, in, uh, you know, information on whatever they had. And uh, they also wanted me to help them with security because I was a very big weapons and advanced, you know, you know, weapon type person, and they wanted me to help them with that. Okay, hold on, Stephen. We'll take a time out, come back, and continue to delve into your remarkable story. <laughs> Stephen D. Kelly, engineer involved in the production of Black Ops Advanced Massive Optics Weaponry, talks about his journey from guns and lasers to metaphysics and spirituality and alien warfare right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Stephen D. Kelly is with us, uh, talking about his life uh, that took him uh, from uh, an engineer involved in advanced weaponry, working under uh, uh, an NSA operation run by Ollie North. Eventually, that led him uh, to UFO contactee Billy Meyer, uh, where Stephen began researching the properties of fine silver and the use of this material in the building of beam ships. Uh, Stephen, now, did you actually travel to Switzerland? Did you meet Billy Meyer? No, no, never never went over there. It had nothing to do with the man. Uh, strictly dealt with uh, 
Britton Lee Elders and uh, Wendell Steele, uh, the other guy, Wendell okay. and, uh, and, and Welch. What did they tell you specifically about the uh, the Pleiadians, uh, the the reptoids, the Greys? What, what, what sort of information did they first let you in on about these these? Uh, well, you know, basically everything they had to say they had in print, you know, had written down. So I was just fed an endless list of stuff that they wanted me to read, you know, which was their their entire experience. I mean, that's what they were. They were. Uh, documenting the event and everything that Billy Meyer had to say, and that was what they were all about, was trying to get that that documentation out there in the public. And that's the other thing they wanted me to help them with was, was uh, you know, the distribution of that, which was really marketing. They were actually, you know, they were trying to make a buck, and that was unfortunately kind of a, a negative uh, taste in my mouth. You know, I kind of kind of taints the message, you know, as soon as you start making, trying to make money off it, but... Uh, but at what point did you start to actually believe that what they were, what the information they were giving you might be, in fact, the truth? Well, uh, first of all, you know, I've seen the, uh, you know, the debunking information out there, so I'm not, you know, blind to the possibility that a lot of these little pictures could have been staged in this and that. But initially, I remember uh, the photo quality and the videos. Uh, were very good and uh, it was very convincing but what was really important for me and you know a couple things one thing in particular was the silver material because I was working with the silver I was eventually going to do work with uh, uh, heavy silver deposition processing you know for making jewelry and uh, electroforming processing using fine silver. I was going to start consuming tons of this stuff, and I would eventually dip crystals in it, and they freaked out when I did that. And, uh, you know, it turns out silver is a big deal. They make the beam ships out of the silver. Uh, silver has laser qualities, you know, and I was in the laser business and in the military business, and they were freaking out, you know, because I thought, oh, and, you know, and then I had connections with Billy Myers, so I had men in black visiting me and harassing my family and everything else. But, uh, but 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 there there must have been a I mean did you have any personal um, any personal insight uh, that that led you to conclude that yes the, there are there is a race of uh, ETs called Pleiadians and there are Greys and there are reptoids and they are interacting with the planet did you have any personal other than the response of what's uh, happened as a result of all of this, uh, you know, the uh, the people that I'm dealing with, I mean, it's like, for instance, as far as the ETs are concerned, there's also other issues involved like the Satanism and what have you. You know, you don't have to see that to, to know that it's there. And it, it kind of works the same way. The same way with the flying saucers. I don't have to walk inside one to know how it works and to be involved. I can... You know, I don't. That, I'm sort of exempt from that. You might say I, uh, I, the information I've been given and the fields I'm in that all combine into uh, whatever it was that they needed to, uh, you know, to f- further the uh, pursuits. Well, I mean, can you connect some dots for us? For example, um, you know, there has been much discussion in UFO circles in the disclosure movement that there has been interaction with. Uh, between government officials, intelligence officials, and various representatives of these ET civilizations, Pleiadians, Reptoids, Greys, what have you. And well, that, that's, that's okay. That, that, sure, that helps. 
All right. Naturally, uh, there is a uh, there's a very distinct power structure, and uh, you know humans and otherwise. And um, uh, after the the CIA and the NSA, of course, were came the Templars and the Bilderbergers. Okay. Now these guys are the cavers. They're the ones that live underground in the big uh, fortresses underground, and uh, they're they're uh, basically running everything. Now, yes, there are aliens and what have you underneath these guys. Ultimately, these guys work for those guys. Uh, and, of course, there is the Illuminati is a very big part of everything. The uh, Those negative forces are a very big part of everything. And, uh, again, this is all very simple. And I'll just get this over with real quick. If you can divide the – there's two teams, essentially, the good guys and the bad guys, if you will. And one is the service to self and the other is service to others. And that's the secret of the universe, uh, especially now that's what this transition is, is we're going to have to choose sides, essentially. And those, and those two sides right now are fighting a battle over us right now to figure out which side we're going to switch to at this big transition. Sounds like we are both the prize and the pawns in some sp- much, game yeah. of spiritual warfare. Stephen Kelly, hold on. We'll uh, return after this and uh, continue to delve into uh, this cavers. We'll find out more about these cavers, the Bilderbergs living underground. We prefer they were under a rock, perhaps. In any event, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Stephen D. Kelly is with us, uh, talking about his experiences with uh, the Billy Meyer um, group. Billy Meyer, of course, the contactee, UFO contactee living in Switzerland, uh, who has had contact with Pleiadians. And uh, the various sort of alphabet intelligence groups, NSA, CIA... It sounds, Stephen, like you were sort of being, uh, I, I mentioned, you know, we humans, the human race being the, the pawns and the prize in this game of spiritual warfare at the top of this power structure, I guess, are these, the various ET groups working under them, uh, are, uh, call them the Illuminati or the Bilderbergs or what have you. So were they, were you being sort of pulled between these two worlds? Uh, were they vying? Well, yeah, most definitely. Um, the recruitment, the guys that were doing the recruiting were the, uh, the bad guys, so to speak. And I guess you could say the Bill, uh, Billy Meyer people were the good guys for all intents and purposes. I suppose that was their purpose was to get this information to me, perhaps, ultimately. Who knows? So Meyer and his group had, uh, had been aligned with uh, well, yeah, the Palladians, um, they, their whole thing is to not interfere and to not talk to anybody and to leave us alone. <clears throat> so the whole deal with them talking to Billy Meyer was, was uh, uh, you know, break of, from protocol. And uh, that's the thing. You know, the other guys get all the PR because they don't have these rules, these non-intervention rules. The reptoids and the greys, and they're the ones uh, ostensibly that would be would be conducting the, the, abdu- the, self, the abductions, yes, yes. the abductions, and so forth. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, abductions is certainly uh, a sign that they're messing with you and not uh, leaving you alone. And and the reptoids and the greys, they have some sort of a pact, an agreement with the Bilderbergs. Uh, well, most definitely, the shadow government, the guys in charge, uh, have a. Well, the government, of course, has a treaty with the little grey guys. But the uh, the reptoid presence per se has always been here. It's been here for a long time, much longer than we have been here. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of them. There are not as many of them as there are us, of course, but uh, they've always been here. So let me see if I understand uh, the, the, the motives then of these various ET groups, as, and, and you can sort of jump in as, as best you understand it. The, the Palladians contacted Billy Myers' group. They see him perhaps as a conduit. They want... Billy Meyer, they want to use him as a conduit to get out, uh, what, free free energy, uh, advanced technology that would benefit mankind, whereas the greys and the reptoids uh, in league with the Bilderbergs are basically here to, uh, well, they look at us like cattle. They're here to, to oh, harvest. Yeah. Very, very accurate, yes. And what yeah, is the nature, accurate. so then what is the nature of this, this pact with uh, the, the reptoids, the greys, and uh, the Bilderbergs that... Uh, they get they get to harvest us as the, and, and and manipulate our gene pool as they see fit. Uh, what do, what do the Bilderbergs get out of the deal? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. The uh, the first thing is is that the uh, the service to self types, especially the ones of the advanced density levels, the higher up levels of, in the alien races, actually have genetic issues mainly associated with their choice to be service to self. They revert. They revert back to a uh, more primitive form. You know, like the r- lizard people would go from something that was like a very human-looking lizard person to a very lizard-looking lizard person, and they're trying to fight that battle. Uh, that's that's one of the big issues with the uh, these things. And what did the Bilderbergs get out of it? Well, the uh, they are the slave masters. We are we are the cattle. They are the cattle managers. They basically get to rule the earth, and they get to uh, obviously the first thing that they promise them is that they'll be protected uh, from this great calamity, whatever it is that's supposedly coming here shortly. And they build their underground cities. They siphon off all the money for that. They have their collaboration. They use futuristic technology, Tesla technology. They obviously have a fleet of uh, UFOs that they've acquired through the treaty. Uh, things like that. So they, and, they uh, are, they, they would then, as Richard, uh, historian, UFO historian Richard Dolan has pointed out, they do, in fact, the Bilderbergs, that is, because of their access to this advanced technology, they essentially constitute a, a different civilization here on Earth. Uh, well, they do consider themselves gods amongst men, uh, for sure. And they also think of themselves as the great conservationists. They think they are the ultimate conservationists. They'd like to go underground, and we are this cancer on the surface. They'd like to see it wiped off so that the surface can become wild, and they can live underground in their palaces underground and come up and visit, take little vacations on the surface. That's what they'd like to see. Did you ever visit any of these underground bases? Uh, well, you know, obviously I had one very close to me that these people were dealing out of, that I was dealing with, and that's a big deal, uh, you know, as far as the information that I'm disclosing. Uh, but I promised to wait until the conference before I talked about that. Okay, let's let, let's give that a plug. That's in uh, Los Angeles. It's the Alchemy event. Yeah, they actually switched it to Irvine. Okay. This is the alchemy event, right? All right. Tell, give us some details for those uh, who may be listening online. Well, out the there. best thing to do, of course, is go to uh, 
www.alchemyevent.com, uh, and that's A-L-C-H-E-M-Y event.com. And uh, all the information will be there, ticket prices and where the location is. But they moved it out to Orange County, which is nice for me uh, because the traffic is a heck of a lot better and everything's going to be cheaper. And, sure. So you know. so you're going to be divulging uh, a lot more of this type of information, but while we have you on the line here, what can you tell us about this weapon that you were supposed to develop that would have been used to fight the aliens? Oh, well, um, well, back in those days, uh, that was the Clinton administration, and uh, I, you know, thought about different combinations of uh, technology and uh, spirituality and what have you. I was trying to come up with something, some concept, and I realized that the human brain ultimately was going to be more powerful and have more, uh, the psychic thing was the big deal, uh, because anything that we could make would be uh, overcome by a superior uh, civilization. And ultimately, I would find out that that was truly the case. When I was dealing with these Bilderberger people, one of the first things you find out, and one of the reasons why they think they're so much better than everybody else, is because they're very into the psychic uh, ability, and they use it, and they evaluate people with it. They use it to protect themselves. They use it to control people around them. Uh, they use it to see into the future. They use it to see what people are doing, the spy on people. It's, it's a big part of what they do. And, and that's because they know something that we don't, and they don't want us to know that. Uh, developing that psychic skill is a big deal, very very important if you want to be a player. And, but who was asking you to produce this weapon, and, and which ET civilization would it have been used against? Uh, well, they didn't say who they were going to use it against. They, what they said was, uh, basically at this point, uh, when they came up with this um, proposal, I was kind of um, apprehensive, okay, because they had just shot down uh, Flight 800, and I thought, okay, these guys are, you know, these guys are satanic. I don't want to have anything to do with them. And they they said, uh, look, we're not Republicans, we're not Democrats, we're just Earth humans, and and we're trying to protect the Earth, and we should we all need to stick together, da da da, and this kind of thing. So I said, sure, I'll do it one more time, but don't shoot down any more airplanes. And that's when I started working on this pro- this thing. Well, ultimately, yeah, they shot out another airplane. It was Flight 990. And that's when I said, you know, forget it. I'm not going to... Well, you mentioned TWA 800, which was uh, um, went down off the coast of, uh, of uh, New York, yeah. Long Island. Now, 990, remind us... Uh, well, 990 was an Egyptian air... Uh, similar circumstances, general vicinity of Long Island, very close. Long Island is, is where the East Coast Star Wars is, right there on Montauk Point. So that's like a sitting duck. I mean, anything that flies anywhere near Montauk Point is a sitting duck. Well, of course, there were many, many witnesses uh, who, who, who said that there was definitely some sort of a ground-to-air missile used to bring that plane down. Those people were never really... Uh... Well, the thing about the, uh, the way they bring down a thing like that, <clears throat> they never use one thing, okay? They they used, I mean, I'll, let me put it this way. They could have had a bomb on board the plane. They could have used a uh, energy beam weapon. They could have used a missile. Uh, they could have used all sorts of things. But uh, they tend to use them all at once, and that way they'll get us uh, arguing about which one they use because we'll find evidence of all these things, and we'll, and we'll spend all our time arguing about which one, and we'll never focus at the fact that, they yes, they used them all. So they, as far as you, you, you know, they, they did use some sort of energy beam weapon based in Montauk to bring down TWA-800. What was it, just an experiment to see if they could do it? 
No, I think that they've been using this thing for other other things. The biggest uses I can think of them to date are probably 800, 990, and JFK Jr. Besides that, I don't know if they've shot down. I mean, they, they may use it against uh, satellites and that sort of thing. We wouldn't know. So for espionage, uh, political uh, assassinations? Well, let me put it this way. They've had uh, high-energy lasers and that sort of thing since Jimmy Carter, at least. Okay, I can tell you that for sure. And uh, the Russians and the Americans were both shooting down satellites with big lasers. And the Russians were really big into X-ray lasers, which is uh, an atomic process. And, and we now have these X-ray lasers, too, but we do them out in space. We don't do them here on Earth because they're like little tiny elect, uh, atomic explosions. But uh, the big thing is uh, scalar weapons. And both the U.S. and the uh, Russia use scalar weapons, and a lot of time people confuse scalar weapons with HARP, which is its own thing. Right, right. Do you think scalar weapons were used to create Hurricane Sandy? Uh, I definitely think that scalar weapons are used in in hurricane situations. In in Sandy, I'm not. I'm more thinking that HARP was used for the purposes of steering it because of the nature of the hurricane, versus Katrina where you could see definite geometric patterns that you would associate with a uh, uh, two waves of harp converging and creating a zone. You know, they, they make like a keystone-shaped zone when these two waves converge. And you could definitely see that in the satellite maps of Katrina. So, and, and so I have no, you know, they, they, I think they probably use these things in conjunction. You know, who knows? Uh, I think they use harp uh, for steering the hurricane. And... Uh, it could also be used for applying pressure because harp harp does apply pressure, but harp is also uh, he does uh, heating, you know. So. Right, right. Yeah. So um, again, let me just go back to TWA eight hundred here, and we're just in the, the the dying moments of the program. But what would have been the the purpose of shooting that plane down? Oh gosh, uh, you know I don't remember what the exact reason for that particular thing, but usually whenever they do something like this, what it, what it coincides with some sort of celestial event that's taking place almost every time. There's some sort of uh, astronomical thing taking place that coincides to some sacrifice that they're making. It's it's this is the satanic thing. And the 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 uh, the, the shuttle disaster was that also shuttle uh, disaster over California? That was the West Coast Star Wars. That was probably China Lake, California. That's West Coast Star Wars. Uh, you know, <laughs> so uh, it's almost the same thing, practically. So your purpose in coming forward, Stephen, is to alert the public that this is what's going on. This is We are living on a, in a prison planet. We've got these powerful humans in, in concert with these advanced ET races. Well, um, first of all, uh, what I say to you on the radio and what I say at the conference are probably two different things, but ultimately I want people to understand that uh, yes, I've got yes, all these things are true. There's the most wildest scenarios you can imagine are going on, and, and uh, as far as what's coming, I'd like to think positive and I'd like to manifest the best things positive. Although you have to be ready for almost anything, and this way, it's you spread the fear out. So when it does come, you don't freak out and go in a fetal position. That's that's very important. But uh, at the same time, I want to tell people that this whole business with service to self and service to others. That's the number one rule in the universe. That's the whole secret of the universe. You want to choose which side you want to be on. You want to be at least 51% service to others, at least. Okay, Stephen, uh, people can uh, hear more from you at the uh, the Alchemy event in Irvine, California. 
And uh, I'll put a link on uh, on my site, richardsarah.com, the links to that site. People can find out how to uh, how to attend. Thank you for this. Stephen Kelly. We'll uh, we'll do more uh, with him in the future. Thanks, Tim Spreen. Back next week with a brand new program. Hope you'll be along for the ride. And it's always a ride, isn't it? In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.